27. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither, like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. That's amazing, that bit. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Lord, we thank you for that truth. Lord, I want to thank you for the people here who do so much behind the scenes, who do the little things. Lord, I want to praise you for their humility. Lord, I pray for um, those of us who are all struggling with our own different issues. Lord, I want to thank you that we're beautifully imperfect. And God, I want to pray, Jesus, that there is no shame. I pray, Jesus, you take away any sense of guilt that anyone might be feeling, Jesus. And Lord, if that's an ongoing thing, Father God, I pray you teach us what it is to dwell in your presence. So that we may know that we are truly, truly loved by our risen Saviour today. So God, as Andy comes to speak, I pray Jesus, you're blessing on him. I pray Jesus, you fill him up with, uh, his hope, with your Holy Spirit. And I pray God for each of us that our hearts and minds will be absolutely open to what you have to say to encourage us and challenge us this morning. Thank you that you're with us, Lord. Amen. Please do have a seat. Good morning, and uh, a warm welcome again to everyone, especially if you are visiting or if you're new uh, or feel new. It's great to have you with us uh, as we gather together. And uh, we're working through a series on the, the Beatitudes, the Blesseds, the Blessed Statements in Matthew 5, and, uh, and we're on the third one, which is uh, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we've read Psalm 37 because it comes directly out of that psalm. Um, and uh, there's a study in Outlook which you can look at if you want as well. This has been famously re-quoted by uh, the oil billionaire, J. Paul Getty, the make shall inherit the earth, but not its mineral rights. Um, because we live in a world that's seemingly populated with the poor and the powerless, uh, but is dominated by the rich and the powerful. Uh, we're introduced to it through uh, uh, the world-famous game of Monopoly, um, which uh, probably everybody's played and is owned by probably every household in the West, uh, I would imagine. Uh, a game whose sole objective is to be the first person to buy up everything, to buy all the property, to get as much money as you can, set by set, plot by plot, 
uh, stations, waterworks and electricity, all the, the whole thing um, is yours. And then to get those fiddly little green houses on as many of them as possible and eventually red hotels so that you can bring in uh, exorbitant rents from everyone. Everybody in your family, you can bankrupt your granny. It's a great game. That's what it's all about. Financial ruin to everybody else uh, in that. And I have to confess that I am one of the meanest players of this in the world. We've got video footage of it getting physical in our house. Uh, it won't be shown today, but uh, it will be kept <laughs> under lock and key uh, because of that. It's not one of my best moments, uh, um, but uh, there we go. It's a game that was uh, created in the, uh, during the Great Depression in the 30s. Um, and has easily become one of the world's kind of all-time uh, most popular uh, kind of board games. I love this game when I win. I hate this game when I'm not winning. And uh, that is often the case, actually, in our house with, when Ross is around. He's, uh, he's, he's even more ruthless than I am. But uh, it's uh, one of these games of uh, personal domination, uh, heart of so many of our popular games that we have, that idea of lording it over others. And uh, there seems to be something in the human psyche which draws us down that road of wanting utter mastery uh, over others, even if it leads to their ruin. And if it was kept to games, maybe we'd be okay. But unfortunately, we live in a world where it's prevalent out there and amongst us uh, everywhere in the real, real world uh, of life. In fact, much of the property, apparently, of our cities around the world, particularly in the developing world, is virtually wholly owned by or under the control of powerful families um, or corporations or even governments, uh, but the government's effectively run by a family uh, in there. Uh, even in our, our own country, we had the, the Grenfell Tower disaster and uh, the, the great sadness of, of having empty properties around there, and yet the time it took them to rehouse people um, probably still going on um, because it was owned by other people with more money, with more power um, than, than those that actually needed it at that time. Uh, we live in a world where there is wars caused by land rights issues. Uh, the, the war in Somalia, lots of African countries, Angola, um, I even reading this morning, um, land wars in Brazil, Colombia, Southeast Asia, um, indigenous uh, peoples of the world um, who don't have their own land but live uh, in the poverty. Um, uh, this was uh, Occupy London uh, five years ago uh, with the protest there. Uh, this is Banksy's uh, contribution, I think, to the game of Monopoly. And for the world's poor, the Monopoly board has been set and the property has been handed out uh, to others. And they'll spend their entire lives paying rent, uh, an exorbitant rent, to the few who own, own everything. Uh, I think with Monopoly, at least we can start again. But in real life, that is a reality for the entirety uh, of people's lives and existence. And so we live in a world where the system says, blessed are the well-off, uh, for they get on in the world. You know, blessed is the easy life, uh, for there's no hurt. Uh, blessed are the greedy and the arrogant and the power-hungry, for they take everything, the lot, including the mineral rights. And blessed are the slave drivers and the troublemakers, etc. But the question comes, what if there was a different way of playing the game? What if there were hidden rules to monopoly? Um, and uh, property, the property-hungry people didn't know about those rules. Imagine if you could give away property. Imagine loaning money at low interest rates. Imagine redistributing property when things got too lopsided. Or lowering the rent for those who landed on your square and couldn't afford it. Um, and what if they were actions that were honored and they were actions that were recorded and love and meekness could be measured 
and remembered. And all of those people that have lost the dog-eat-dog game uh, in, the, in the world are put in charge of this new version of the game. And that's really what Psalm uh, 37 is about. That's what this, this parable, uh, this beatitude, sorry, is about. Paul writes some really stark and ch- words that will challenge us to the end of our days in Corinthians. He says, live as if nothing were really yours. If you buy something as if it's not yours to keep. If you use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For the world in its present form is passing away. And that's the reality. That's the, the hidden rule of the kingdom that, that Paul sees so clearly um, uh, and that challenge our lives. There is a new rule. There is a new kingdom rule of God. And uh, the Beatitudes are a reversal of the world system. They're contrary to the kind of endemic greed and our desire for status and what we think looks like success and gets us there in the world. They are the opposite of what the society says makes a person happy and really blesses someone. But we struggle with it because we are still deceived by the the idols of our day. And this will challenge us. It will challenge us and challenge us. So, blessed are the meek, um, says Jesus, for they will inherit the earth. In fact, we read of God as being described as meek. Uh, God is downwardly mobile, not upwardly mobile. In the incarnation, we see, we see him coming, God the Son coming as, as a man, as a child, as a baby, as a vulnerability. Um, he humbles himself and even becomes obedient to death on a cross. And uh, so let's unpack what it means, what this beatitude means, this promise of blessedness and of blessing. The promise is that they will inherit the earth or they will inherit the land. It's worth noting that they don't conquer the land. They don't take over the land. They inherit it. Um, It's a trust given to them by the Father, uh, by God himself. We read in Psalm 24 that God is the owner. You know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That ultimately everything is God's. Uh, we read that as followers of Jesus and as children of God, we become joint heirs with Jesus and inherit all that is his. The Father, we, repl- um, we read, re- supplies all our needs, uh, writes Paul in Philippians 4. You know, practically in the here and now, God provides for us from the, from the land, from the, from the world, however that would be. And as also we read of a spiritual inheritance of the kingdom, that heavenly citizenship that we have as we live on this earth, um, maybe as aliens and strangers, and yet God is with us in it. And a future inheritance where there's a new heaven and there's a new earth and there's a new Jerusalem. And so it speaks into this age of God's provision into this age, but also of the not yet, of the age to come as well. Revelation 21, he who overcomes will inherit all of this. So people can live and have nothing in the world. They can be shy, they can be intimidated, they can be powerless, they can have no voice, and yet the kingdom of heaven, or as the kingdom of heaven enfolds them, then the whole earth is their father's, and the provision of the land can come to them um, as they need it. The Lord is our shepherd, is the promise, and we shall not be in want. But there are times when these are severely test our faith because we go through some real, real difficulties. Um, we think at the moment perhaps of um, uh, the Rohingya people um, who are fleeing Myanmar, is that how you say it, and into Bangladesh. You know, some 600,000 people 
escaping from persecution in their country for a safer haven in Bangladesh, one of the poorest countries itself, opening its borders and opening its land to these people in need. And we, we, you know, we pray God bless Bangladesh for what they're doing in the midst of that. And on one hand, there's this incredible provision of safety, a safe haven for these people, which is fantastic. And we can see that even as God's provision, perhaps. And yet, on the other hand, there are 300,000 children in desperate need of food, of medicine, of shelter, um, in a pretty poor country, in a pretty desperate situation. And so we pray, you know, even today for every one of them, that God's blessing and provision would somehow find its way to them. We pray for wisdom in ourselves. How do we respond to such a thing? You know, we challenge the leaders of our world and our governments to commit resources and expertise to make a difference. And we give from our own pockets into that, rather than just saying we wish you well, but actually we want to do something practical for that as well. We might encourage the the Rohingya guys that have been camping out or sitting out in the middle of just outside the bull ring, just down from the bull there, just bringing a peaceful kind of witness to the fact that, you know, the people are being oppressed in that land, to encourage them and to say to them, you know, we care and there's a God who cares about your people, about the Rohingya, as an example. One example in the world, and it's in uh, uh, Gillian's word there, that just even the little things that we do count. Even the little things that we do make a difference because God gets with them and behind them. So this word, this, uh, this word land or earth, you know, that we will inherit the land, as it literally says, is, is used in many ways in the Bible. Um, it's used to mean um, a region. So, for example, Matthew 2, 6, but you, Bethlehem, in the land uh, of Judah, is a region that he's referring to. Uh, later on in, in verse 20, the angel said, get up, take this child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. It means a country. Um, we read in the Lord's pl- prayer, you know, your will be done on earth or on the land as it is in heaven. It's the entirety of the earth. And in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, we see the same word again. The man who received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground, in the earth, in the land and hid his master's money. And as you look at these things, you begin to understand that whatever it is, it is a place of safety. It is a place of blessing. It is a place of produce. It's a place of provision, uh, a place of fruitfulness, a, a real sense of blessing upon uh, us. That's the, that's the heart of it in this beatitude, the blessedness of it, that we inherit all of that. It's virtually identical to Psalm 37, verses 10 to 11. Um, a little while and the li- wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. And for the Jewish people, that land was literally um, the land of Canaan, the holy land, the promised land. Um, it was a, a secure possession, a place of safety that they would find and a place of blessing that they would come into. And it was the, the evidence and the, the kind of proof of God's favor resting upon them. So it can mean any great blessing, the sum of all blessings, um, it can mean that. Uh, John Wesley put it like this, he said, They shall have all things really necessary for life and godliness. They shall enjoy whatever portion God has given them here, and shall hereafter possess the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So there's this now bit of it, and there's the not yet bit of it. And maybe the real blessings of living on the earth are not actually the mineral rights. 
Okay, maybe it's not all the material stuff. Maybe it isn't Mayfair and Park Lane that is the thing that wins you the game. But actually, it's something deeper. I remember reading Rob Parsons' book, and uh, you know about work life um, and and the, the strive for success that people have. And he says very often, you know, we're we're climbing up the ladder of success only to find that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. We've got high up, but it was on the wrong wall. We were looking for something that wasn't what it was all about. It isn't all about the material. Someone else said, these blessings are realized when the righteous enjoy the good things of life, which others often overlook in their pursuits of whatever. Okay? There's so much more in life that we miss as we just pursue the material. So meekness, what is it? Uh, I love this. Um, this is another Banksy picture. You know, keep your coins. I want change, and that's that's the heart of what we had, or what we have, and what we look for. But meekness is is men and women who have a deep conviction, who patiently bear up when the wicked prosper. They don't lash out in anger. And so as we we work through this this psalm, it really unpacks, I think, what it looks like. I find it really helpful. And so right at the beginning, he says, do not fret. Do not worry when there's injustice and when the the evil seem to prosper. He says, trust in God. And we say a big amen to that. Commit your ways to God. Be still before God. Refrain from anger. You know, and many of us can just tick those off and think, yeah, that's great. They're great words. But that is difficult to do when the injustice is done to you, when you're experiencing that. Now, I'm not someone who's experienced great injustice. I never claim to do that. But I do remember one time uh, when we were first married and money was incredibly tight. You know, we were really, really struggling to, to make, pay the bills, have food, all the rest of that. And uh, I was writing up my thesis at the time and I got some work um, cleaning buildings. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great job. You basically clean buildings after they've been built. So it might be a, a new shopping centre. And, uh, or a, a new uh, kind of hospital wing or something like that. And you go in after the builders are done, clear up, you know, scrape all the labels off the, the sinks and the, the, the toilets and the, the windows, wash everything down. Uh, in the shopping centre, we're up on an 80-foot cherry picker, balanced on the edge, trying to clean these glass windows somewhere in Leicester. Lovely job. Loved it. <laughs> Every minute of it. And we work for a week, and uh, we get paid at the end of the first week. So at the end of the first week, I got a cheque. Fantastic. You know, I managed to get some money. Um, and uh, at the end of the second week, I discover the checks bounced and there's still no money. So I work a third week with the promise that I'll get the two at the end of that. Still no money. Never, never got the money. Right? And that is incredibly frustrating and an injustice. That is minor compared to what goes on in the world. It's minor. But to start living that stuff out when the injustice to you is the challenge of life. Do I trust God in this? Will I commit my ways to this? Will I refrain from anger in this? Uh, you know, God actually provided in a different way in the end, but not, you know, that's a, it was a tricky time, a tricky time how to deal with that. It's hard to follow Psalm 37. The Hebrew word in Psalm 37 is anawim, and uh, sometimes translated humble, afflicted, poor. And, uh, as you look at these and you start to look at that, you think, oh, that's Jesus on the cross. You know, when Jesus is on the cross, you start to see this in practice. You see him not worrying, despite the incredible injustice that is being done to him and the pain. He is trusting in God. He's committing his ways to his Father. He is still, he's silent 
before the, like the lamb before the slaughter. Okay, he refrains from anger. Father, forgive them. And suddenly we see all of these things in Jesus on the cross. In fact, the same Hebrew word is used in Isaiah 61. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to the uh, anawim, to the meek. It's the same word in that, in that um, passage of, of Scripture. So Jesus was the model of meekness. Uh, Paul, we see it as well. We see Paul who goes into Corinth. Corinth was a status-crazed culture. You know, it was, everybody was trying to be somebody in all of that. And yet he writes to them and he says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. That is not what it is about. And Paul was probably someone who endured more wrong than you could imagine. He endured it patiently. And so Jesus and Paul do not press their rights through thick and thin, nor do they trample on the rights of others to secure their own. In fact, Paul was continually giving up his rights. He's just saying, I'm, I'm, I have a right to this, but actually I give it up. I won't have it, you know, because of the gospel or because of whatever. So here's a definition I came across. Meekness is the reception of injuries with the belief that God will vindicate us. Vengeance is his, he will repay. That that is God's job to do. Romans 12 verse 19. In fact, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, you're getting into lawsuits with each other. You know, he says, you've completely been defeated in this. You know, why not rather be wronged rather than be, you know, go through all the court stuff? You know, this is what it is. It's challenging. So it, it is a character trait at work when, for example, a young educated woman with a lucrative career before her chooses to quietly work in an overseas slum, empowering the poor, while the government officials around her and the wealthy developers seem to be prospering in their scheming ways. Okay, that's meekness. It is also in that same slum, the poor woman who's decided to give up um, some of her, her means of, of, of kind of immoral earnings, perhaps, or gambling, or drinking, or some of the, the anesthetics of, pro of poverty, because she wants to follow Jesus. She wants to follow God with her life. And so the, the cross of challenge is there before her, and yet she faces that powerlessness um, of her circumstances with joy because she's found the real blessedness of life. You know, the meek are those who are working for the powerless um, of her circumstances, for example, you know, without turning back, going the extra mile, walking through the pain with people. The meek are those who are lending the voice to the, the, the rights of the poor because it is right to challenge those injustices to stand up against the powers that be like a Wilberforce. This is not a, a spineless thing. This is a courageous thing. Um, I came across a, a guy, an ex-police officer who works with uh, International Justice Mission trying to help people escape from trafficking. Right? It, costs him a it costs him a lot in what he, what he does with his life. But he has to put a lot of courage into it. But in the midst of it, he is full of peace, despite the difficult days that challenge. Because these are people who know that there are hidden rules that the powerful and the corrupt don't know about. There are another set of rules, kingdom rules, to life. And it is the meek who will inherit the earth, not the greedy, not the corrupt, not the power hungry. And it will be the meek who will live in true blessedness. 
Uh, Scott Bessenecker says this, a life lived in simplicity, humility, and obscurity will be a very handy asset at the end of the game when God is looking for meek people to put in charge. The rich and famous who wield worldly power will be at a distinct disadvantage. Possessing disproportionate control in this world through the use of money, fame, and power has a tendency to kill meekness in a person. I'm not saying you can't be rich, powerful, famous, and meek. I'm just saying it's hard, like trying to push a camel through a needle's eye. And uh, the words, you know, one of the roots of the words um, is, is similar to a word which is about being a companion. That, you know, those who are companions together. And what it means is that no one is superior. There is no, there's, you know, the humble, the meek is superior to no one. The status isn't important. They've removed comparison from their life. They can step downwards and live humbly um, because they don't have an ego issue in their life. They're at peace with themselves. They're at peace with God. Um, rather than that clamor for money, that clamor for status, that clamor for power, which with it comes the temptation to crush others. We read these words from 1 Timothy uh, about money, status, or power. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue gentleness or meekness. Father, we want to pray, Lord, that you would just continue to write into our hearts this quality. That, Lord, that what is right at the heart of who you are, Lord, it says that you will write your laws on our hearts. And we, we pray that you would just continue to... Uh, to burn into our lives these, these real things that make a difference of how we live our lives, of how we treat others, of how we pray, how we uh, contribute, how we uh, engage with people. And Father, I pray too for those this morning who feel an injustice done to them, real things that have happened to people, that, Lord, that you would empower them and, and free them to be able to forgive, to be able to let go uh, of the anger that they feel. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm just going to pick up... Uh